You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson joins Washington Post Live to discuss the Biden administration's goals in space and the latest developments on private-public partnerships aimed at commercializing space travel. Let's listen. Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist for The Post. Our program today is The Path Forward, New Frontiers in Space, and we're pleased that our guest is the NASA Administrator, former U.S. Senator Bill Nelson. Uh, Senator Nelson represented Florida for 18 years, and maybe more to the point, he was a former astronaut. Uh, Senator Nelson, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, David. So uh, as our introduction suggested, this is a big week for space with Jeff Bezos yesterday and making his uh, flight to the edge of space. A uh, joyful return uh, a few weeks earlier, Richard Branson uh, making a similar trip. Um, I, I want to ask you, uh, with the obvious uh, initial caveat for readers that Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos, what you make of the, these flights, the billionaires in space, you were beginning in our introduction to say some positive things. Let me let you continue with your thoughts about about what these uh, journeys mean. Well, they're spending their own money and they are doing incredible things. Uh, You just think about what uh, Elon Musk has already done. Uh, He is spending money and has uh, cut the cost of going to space because he is reusing his first stages of the rockets. And that is dramatically now as he competes uh, for launches, government launches, commercial launches, he's saving everybody money going into space. Uh, When you take uh, Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, they are making it accessible to go to the edge of space, a 10, 15 minute flight experience weightlessness as they start to fall back to earth. Uh, And the cost of that will come down over time so that more people will be able to experience that. Plus, Bezos is building a big rocket that will ultimately compete with Elon Musk rocket. And in that competition, we'll see all the more the cost come down. And then, when you add all of that with these new startup companies that are doing things like uh, printing, 3D printing, rocket engines and rockets, then you're gonna see the cost come all the more. So space is gonna be more accessible as a result of all of this activity. You've been uh, positive in noting these uh, private sector efforts. Uh, You've said uh, recently, speaking about these uh, trips by our prominent uh, billionaire businessmen, we never want to lose our character as explorers or adventurers. Let me just ask you to respond to criticism that that you do see uh, in in print, that these are joyrides. This is space tourism isn't really where we should be focused. What's your own reaction to that? Well, for example, uh, Elon has uh, such a mission. It will not go to the International Space Station. It will not have uh, 
uh, NASA astronauts on it. And, uh, and yet it is uh, a, a paying uh, customer can experience that. But they would have never had that had Elon not been under contract with the United States government, with NASA, a fixed price contract, I might say, uh, to deliver cargo and crew to the International Space Station. And so I don't look as as uh, something just completely uh, separate, that this is just uh, for billionaires. We're all going uh, to benefit from this kind of activity. And the same is uh, true, uh, David, as we venture further out, as we go back to the moon, as we, we are sending a number of commercial rockets and payloads to the moon to try to discover the water there that we can turn into fuel. Uh, and that, of course, is our quest to go out and explore the heavens and uh, to go to Mars with humans. I want to ask you about those larger ambitions for space in, in a moment. But just to finish with this uh, question of, of space tourism, what sh rules should there be? Is, is this an area that NASA should try to have some regulation? Is there a way that this can be made more accessible so that more people uh, can experience uh, this uh, extraordinary uh, uh, adventure? H how are you thinking about, about the space tourism going forward? All of the above. If... <clears throat> the so-called space tourists are going to the International Space Station, then uh, what uh, I am uh, insisting on, that they go through all the training, the medical exams, the psychological, psychiatric exams that any one of our astronauts would do because they are going to a space station with astronauts and cosmonauts uh, that is doing uh, genuine uh, productive work and research. And I don't want somebody getting up there and going crazy. So NASA is all over this and will require that. If they're going on a venture on their own, uh, then that's a different matter. Now, I might say, David, that all of this uh, started 11 years ago when Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson and I, along with the Obama administration, formulated this dual path that we're on, a commercial path as well as the government path. And we are seeing that happening now in uh, 3D Technicolor in front of our eyes. We're also seeing an expansion of that public-private partnership and a good example is the efforts on the moon, and I'll tell you about that if you want to hear. I, I, I do. I, I want to come to that in, in just a minute, but let me ask you a, a, about the, the larger ambition that Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, and, and you have as you, as you think forward. Uh, Elon Musk has talked about colonizing Mars. Uh, Jeff Bezos has talked about having people live in, in space. And I, I want to ask you how you think about the future, not in the next five or 10 years, 
what our future is in space in 50 or 100 years. Just give us some of your, your thoughts about that. Well, I'm glad that they are thinking that. E expansive ideas. Before Elon, people really didn't think about reusing the first stage of a rocket. We had always thrown them away when they landed in the, in the ocean. But think back, uh, David, to 60 years ago. Uh, the first time that President Kennedy, right after Alan Shepard had only gone into suborbit, Kennedy goes to a joint session of Congress, and he was not met with a great deal of applause. There was a lot of a skepticism when he said, we're going to the moon and back in this decade. And it actually took 10 months later John Glenn going into orbit, and we were in this fierce competition with the Soviet Union, which had surprised us way back with Sputnik and then with Gargarin and Titov before we could ever get into orbit. Once Glenn made that flight, then the nation really got energized, and Kennedy gave that second speech at Rice University. And he said, we're not going to do this because it's easy, because it's hard. So you've got to have vision. You've got to have goals. You've got to look beyond the, the lines as to what can be done. And um, I think we are coming up on the cusp of this new era where we are thinking that way now. And I, I'm curious, in your own thinking, as a former astronaut, as head of our leading uh, space agency, NASA, uh, what your own thoughts are? Obviously, this is speculative, but, but do you imagine a future in which we will be, in effect, colonizing space, uh, doing uh, manufacturing or other economic processes in space? Did we think when the Wright brothers flew that within that span of time that we were going to land on the moon? Uh, I think that illustrates the point. No telling what we're going to develop, David. Uh, no telling the spinoffs for the betterment of Earth, of us Earthlings, of what we are doing in developing technologies to go into space. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a couple right now. In your pocket is a cell phone, and it has a camera that is unbelievably clear pictures. That camera is on a chip. That chip was developed by NASA for our Earth-observing satellites. Another example, we have a phalanx of satellites that are now measuring all the different things that is happening with the climate. In the next 10 years, we're going to put up five great observatories, and we're going to look at oceans and land and ice and the atmosphere, and we're going to compile a 3D composite of the minute changes that are occurring so that we can better project what we've got to do in order to save our planet by saving our climate. Uh, these are the things. What I'm saying to answer your question is, don't limit yourself. Yes, there may be Bezos ideas of colonies out in uh, space. Yes, there may be colonizing Mars, but 
we've got to have the vision to get there and develop the technologies in order to sustain human life. And then who knows what will happen in the future. Your point about being able to, to observe and, and do something about methane emissions or other things that are threatening to our climate as, as the, the climate crisis deepens is, is an important one. Uh, I want to ask you, Senator, part of the new fascination, I think is the right word, with space is driven by a, a new interest, curiosity, um, uh, seriousness about the possibility that we're being visited by uh, in, intelligence from outside our solar system. Uh, the director of national intelligence just issued a report uh, on uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, what we often call UFOs. Uh, there's going to be more study coming. How do you look at that question of, of, of life beyond Earth? What, what is NASA itself doing to think about this question? Uh, give us some ways to think about this. Well, NASA is looking for life. Uh, for example, uh, when we are getting a return sample from Mars, uh, we're going to examine that sample to see if there are any of the chemical elements that would indicate there are microbes there. Uh, the mission that we just announced uh, going to Venus, Venus is shrouded by an atmosphere that causes it to be so hot on the surface that it would melt lead. But what about in that atmosphere? Uh, there are moons of other planets that we think there are oceans. If there are oceans, there is very likely to be life. So we are looking at that very, very aggressively. And then at the end of this year, we're going to put up the new space telescope. And unlike Hubble, which has had this incredible three-decade run far beyond its design life and looks at the expanse of the universe. This telescope, a million miles from Earth, on the other side of the Earth in the sun, with a blanket behind it to shield out any sunlight, looking out through a keyhole in the sky. Believe me, this is true. Looking back, 13.35 billion years to the source of light, which is shortly after the Big Bang and the formation of the first galaxies. And it's going to be able, as we examine those early galaxies and then examine the solar systems that formed in those galaxies, and then in our search for other planets, which are already undergoing, but this telescope's going to help us find those planets and see if we see a planet with an atmosphere that is similar to Earth. I personally think that the universe is so big, which I cannot even conceive in my mind, that yes, there are other possibilities of other Earth-like planets that have intelligent life. That's exciting just to hear you describe the, the process that's ahead. I have to ask you the question, 
What, what would NASA do? What would you do as, as, as our space leaders, as head of NASA, if we did one day uh, get evidence that showed that there is uh, intelligent life beyond our planet? How would NASA respond to that? Well, the first thing is, I bet it would be a page one story on the Washington Post. <laughs> I think that's, uh, we can, we can agree so, on that. So what would I do? Uh, if we get any kind of uh, message of intelligent life, then I'm gonna suggest our scientists uh, try to make contact with it. And uh, I don't know when this is coming. Uh, you know, a lot of people are excited about what these Navy uh, jet pilots have, have seen. Uh, back in my old days as senator, uh, I met with those in a classified session. I've talked to those pilots. They know they saw something. They followed it. They locked their radar on it. And now this unclassified portion of this uh, report that you mentioned uh, now has uh, over 140 sightings all over the globe. So there's something to this. What is it? I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody knows at this point. I hope it's not one of our enemies because that thing, the pilot said it was there and then suddenly it's there in an instant. I hope it's not one of our enemies because if it is, they've got some real serious advances on us on technology. So let me return to the question of what's next in terms of what you're immediately planning. Uh, and that is the uh, mission with SpaceX uh, to send astronauts back to the moon. Uh, you just issued, I think, a, a $2.9 billion contract for that. And you've talked about the possibility that would happen by the end of 2024. Give us a, an update on that, uh, what you imagine that uh, mission accomplishing beyond what we did in our earlier trips uh, to the moon. And then if you could talk a little bit about the, the plans that NASA has announced for what well, sounds like a permanent orbiting uh, station, which you call Gateway, that would be orbiting the moon. Uh, what would that be available for? What, what, what purpose does NASA see for it? Uh, the contract to SpaceX is held in abeyance right now as it is contested in the procedures of the federal government by the uh, GAO. We're expecting an announcement uh, in the next few weeks. And on the basis of that, we will then proceed uh, whatever way we proceed. We want uh, competition. Uh, and therefore, we need some more money uh, to uh, enhance and uh, procure that competition so that there are other players that get involved. And a good example of that, uh, when the competition was occurring between Boeing and SpaceX for crew going to this space station, uh, everybody thought Boeing was going to win it hands down. Well, look. SpaceX has already delivered three crews and Boeing's not off the ground yet. So that's why we want competition. So where is it going? It's going back to the moon 
astronauts will ride on the largest rocket ever, which by the way, will launch at the end of this year. They will take our astronauts into lunar orbit. They will transfer into a commercial lander, which of course NASA will be all over because it's involving human life. That lander will go down, do their activities, meet up with other commercial experiments uh, on the moon that have already landed, and then come back when we return our astronauts, hitch up in lunar orbit, and the spacecraft called Orion will go back to Earth. Follow on is what you just mentioned, Gateway, which is, some call it a station, but it's more like an outpost that will be in lunar orbit, and it will serve a number of purposes. It can be the way station to transfer astronauts and then to go down to the surface of the moon in different locations on the surface. Uh, it will be a place for research. It will be a place for assembling the huge rocket and the supplies that will ultimately take us to Mars. Uh, so that is what the function of the gateway is. We're, we're looking at late in the decade of the 2030s, by the time we would develop all the technology of how you sustain human life all the way to Mars, stay on the surface maybe six months, and then come all the way back. So, so that would be the timetable we should imagine. Late 2030s, uh, a mission to Mars that begins from this gateway uh, uh, habitation that orbits the moon, if I've got you right. That's, now, others have said that they can go there earlier. Uh, have at it. Uh, <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, but when it comes to human life, uh, NASA is going to be very particular. Uh, and there are a lot of ifs out there. It's one thing going into low Earth orbit, which is, you know, some 300 miles up. It's another thing going three days to the moon, 250,000 miles away. It's another thing going to Mars that can be as far as 100 million miles away. So, Senator, I, I want to turn uh, fr from these quite exhilarating issues about uh, space to another part of the new frontier that's that's darker, and that's the uh, way in which space is becoming a, a domain of military action. Uh, I want to ask you specifically about the Chinese uh, development of what are believed to be uh, anti-satellite weapons, both uh, on the ground and, it, I'm told, uh, in orbit as well. And the, the threat that that poses, uh, not simply to our uh, communications and other systems that are based in space, but to the, to the very idea of, of space, uh, which becomes a, a contested domain uh, that, that, that's a, a theater of war, not a theater of adventure and experimentation. Talk about that danger, if you would. The Chinese uh, space program is uh, also a military space program. Uh, they are very aggressive and they are very good. 
And a lot of that success has come within the last few years. Uh, they are now the second nation to have landed successfully on Mars, a rover, which is going to gather a small sample. And in the future, they will try to return it to Earth. Uh, probably within the same time frame that we, the U.S., will try to return our sample that our rover up there, uh, Perseverance, is uh, scouting around with a little helicopter right now, uh, trying to find the sample that we want to send back. Uh, the Chinese are very um, intolerant of any examination of their space program. They are very inflexible. They are not very transparent. Now, contrast this, David, with the difference of a mortal enemy uh, 60 years ago, uh, the Soviet Union, each of us pointing nuclear warheads at each other. Uh, and out of that, in 1975, in the Soviet Union, an American spacecraft and a Soviet spacecraft rendezvoused and docked, and the crews lived together for nine days. And ever since, we have had on the civilian program in space cooperation with the Soviets until 1991, now the Russians. And to this day, we still have that cooperation. As a matter of fact, this morning in Kazakhstan at Baikonur Cosmodrome, they launched another major component of the International Space Station that will be attached to this huge space station. And they continue to be our partners and to operate that space station with us and do the experimentations together. Contrast that with China. So they Senator, don't want you messing around. My my question is whether you'd like to see cooperation, uh, partnership with China, similar to what we've experienced with Russia. Is that something that you as NASA administrator would support? If, in fact, they would open up, of course. If they would be cooperative in a very transparent way, but they haven't. You mentioned the ASAP. They blew one of their satellites up and it has proliferated junk all over that low Earth orbit area where there's so many satellites and our International Space Station. Uh, just recently, the rocket that put up their space station, which technically is very good, but they didn't provide for a control reentry. We didn't know where that rocket was going to come down as it ended up in the Indian Ocean. Fortunately, nobody got hit, but they wouldn't tell us. So I think uh, we are in a space race with China. They are aggressive, they are good, but I wish they'd do what the old Soviet Union did when it came to civilian space. I wish they'd cooperate and be transparent. Senator, I have one uh, last uh, question for you. Uh, we have 
a new branch of our military in the last year called the Space Force. Uh, its uh, creation was something that was widely debated, and you expressed some concerns at the time that it would have a damaging effect on the Air Force, which had overseen space activities. How do you think the Space Force is doing? And what uh, suggestions, if any, would you have about how it could do its mission better? Well, General Raymond, I think, has done an incredible job. He's been very successful putting together a new organization uh, that is a multi-military uh, uh, force. Uh, and my initial objection three, four years ago was I didn't want to just see another bureaucracy created. But that decision was made by the previous administration uh, and he's doing it, and he's doing it well, and there is indeed a need for a Space Force because more and more when it comes to the defense of this country, space is the high ground and the important ground in trying to protect the interest of our country and the free world. So, Senator Bill Nelson, uh, NASA Administrator, thank you for an absolutely fascinating conversation. We'd love to have you come back and, and talk about these issues with us again, but thank you for, for joining us today. Thanks, David. So, uh, if, if you'd like to know what other interviews we've got coming up, please head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find out more information. Uh, I'm David Ignatius. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.